what they want to see in my game um, to change and trying to find the balance between still doing what made me great and got me drafted and you know I always had success doing certain things but to try to accommodate to everyone's needs and wants right left no room for my needs and wants in terms of how I could grow my game <laughs> and it's hard not to look at these guys that are your age obviously and, and compare it so closely through the draft and everything and and wonder what you're doing that wrong that they're doing right or you know what, however you want to paint it um, it's so easy to compare the success of others that are in similar situations to you welcome back everyone to the difference maker podcast i'm your host chris calderoni today actually matt is not here for the first time today in studio actually i think this is our first guest in studio is one someone that i've had the pleasure of working with for the last three two seasons around there right alan mcshane professional hockey player ice hockey league playing for asiago in the austrian league correct so Alan is going to come in today. We're going to take a bit of a different approach with um, with Alan. He has an interesting story of basically taking a certain route, thinking he was going somewhere, and then decided, or not decided, but was pushed in, into another side. So he's going to give a little bit of his experience just for any young athletes that are going through it right now. Um, and pretty much, Alan, tell us a little bit, of, or tell our viewers a little bit about who you are why you're playing hockey, and uh, where you currently are now. Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks for having me. <laughs> first, uh, first guy here, that's a big <laughs> deal. So, um, Yeah, you hit it on the head. Uh, I guess the point of being here really is to dive into some of the you know, differences that exist in my career so far compared to some other traditional routes that uh, hockey players usually go through. And... Um, yeah, I've been playing obviously my whole life as as most do when you're getting to the stage of career that I'm in uh, since I was two and a half. Um, went through minor hockey. I'm actually originally from Collingwood, so went through minor hockey in smaller towns, smaller programs. Um, made the move at around ten with my mom only actually to get down to the city. Oh, it was just your mom. It was just my mom. Yeah, so my dad got left behind with my siblings, <laughs> and uh, so that was tough, but. I think, you know, we kind of weighed the options and figured coming down here would give me a better shot and uh, get into the GTHL, um, you know, get those connections and, and things that come with that. So got into the Toronto Marlboros organization uh, at 10 and just kind of took off from there. Stayed in the GTHL through to my draft year in the O. Drafted to Erie Otters uh, in 2016, I guess it was. I went 19th to them. And uh, had the had the privilege of playing on a line with Debrinkat and uh, Taylor Radish for a little bit there in my uh, first season in the O. So that was a treat. How was that? Uh, that was that was nice. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun to play. I mean, both of them could score at that level. They're they're pretty elite and uh, still are obviously both in the NHL now and uh, continuing to find success. But that's uh, that was a great start there. And then uh, beyond that, a couple of years later, fast forward, one trade later to Oshawa and uh, drafted to Montreal Canadiens in 2018. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of the backstory. Now, obviously, made the move to Europe, and that's kind of what we'll be diving into. And, you know, 23 years old now, why am I in Europe and, and kind of how did I get there, the choices that came with it and, and stuff like that. But 
yeah, look forward to Good chatting stuff, about it, man. Well, obviously you're there because of the wine, right? I mean, <laughs> why else play in Italy, right? It, it, it helps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely, definitely not uh, lacking in any of those, uh, those sort of treats. So the cheese were in Asiago cheese town. So it's, it's been fun. <laughs> there you go. So one of the cool things, so again, I've been working with Alan for the last, yeah, I guess three years, uh, two, three years. This is coming up on the third season and there were some tough times, uh, especially going through, uh, you were mentioning before actually we started recording of the pandemic year and going through all of that. Um, a lot of athletes, not just yourself, got to experience that fun time. And uh, how did you get through it? Yeah, it was quite the year. Uh, we you know, had a lot of ups and downs, especially in the OHL. Uh, I was becoming kind of an older guy in the league. And uh, after, you know, being drafted and that, there were pretty important years following. So the, the uncertainty was definitely not easy to navigate. And, you know, we got sent home abruptly. It was like we saw on Twitter kind of COVID-19, what's this? And uh, within three or four days, we were, you know, getting told not to get on a bus to Ottawa to play a game. Um, so within a couple of weeks I was sitting at home kind of wondering when we we're going to start back up. Obviously didn't happen. Um, uh, ended up having to go into like this eight month full training schedule, like July, you know, mid season form type of training, just in case in the case that we get called back or if, you know, for whatever reason, hockey starts at some odd time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, it was, it was interesting. We, I luckily had, you know, a great, team around me to to help out at the same time though it was kind of the beginning of this identity crisis which we're going to jump into in terms of me losing a lot of the confidence um you know trust that I'd built over the years and not only my uh preparation that it takes and and everything behind the scenes um how to act like a top athlete, how to act mm. like a professional athlete because you're just removed from it completely. Mm -hmm. And then also um, in terms of, as I said, the confidence side of things, you're looking at um, not getting in that game time and, mm. and you're wondering what's going to happen, you know, what's going to happen to my trajectory, my development. Um, I can only train for so long. So there's a lot of question marks. And uh, it got to the point where it was like an all-time low and, and that's kind of where you guys came in. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, hopped on a call with Matt and just right away struck me that we were kind of on the same page with how I'd been feeling mm -hmm. and how we're kind of get, getting back on track in the future. We laid out a plan. So that's how that all started. But um, like you said, the crazy thing was I've been working with you guys for a little bit, a couple months, uh, and woke up one morning to a call that was, there's a chance I could in the next few days get on a flight, go to Slovakia on loan <laughs> in their top league. And I was sitting there and I was like, completely under the impression that the OHL is starting again. They're promising, you know, just wait a couple weeks, a couple weeks, a couple weeks. I was training, ready to start. And, you know, now I'm having to consider overnight, am I going to live in Slovakia for, <laughs> for who knows how long? So that was crazy. I remember we had some interesting chats about that throughout yeah. that process. But It was tough, man, only because we were, and this is, not just for, for that time, but anyone that is feeling uncertain. It, like when you don't know what your next step is, it's tough, right? And it's like, of course, you're going to lose not only a little bit of confidence, but 
just in your own judgments of, okay, what should I do? Like, I, I remember even some of the things that we had to discuss was just different ways of setting new targets for you just to keep it kind of fresh. And yeah, Alan, there's going to be a day you're going to play hockey again. It's going to like all this pandemic stuff is going to end. And it's like, uh, when you're going through it, it sucks. And then afterwards, it's like, okay, you know what? It's there. And you were decently prepared for Slovakia when you got there. Yeah. Well, like I touched on, I, I was doing like July style training for months on end mm -hmm. and which is tough too because you've never had to go through something like that that type of strain on your body for that long just hoping that you'd be prepared for when the call came mm -hmm. so and then the call coming was a professional style of environment which is a lot different you know I'm expecting to kind of go if you look at it like a totem pole I'm expecting to go back into it at the top in the OHL ready to dominate hopefully and, and take control of the league really and then the switch flips and here i am kind of going into this completely pro league where everyone's you know 30 29 years old big strong guys and now i'm at the bottom of the totem pole and it's like well i have i don't have a professional game yet so that was a lot to you know wrap my head around and all basically overnight mm -hmm. so the biggest thing for us was like you said shut it down you know just try to take your mind off of it clear your head, do things that you enjoy for the night and then see how you feel tomorrow sort of thing. And we're keeping that sort of reload system going for a few days just so I could try to be as clear in the head as I could and, yeah. and decide what was going to be best for me. Cause I was still deciding like, do I bank on the OHL coming back? Mm -hmm. But luckily I chose to make the jump and, and get on the plane and go over because the OHL didn't end up starting at all that year right and at least i did get a couple months of games in in slovakia um but yeah it was definitely a learning curve and, and as i mentioned before identity crisis was the theme mm -hmm. um i'd been a top player my whole life i'd been in a position where i never really had to worry about you know what was going on on the ice uh, right especially not off the ice because mm -hmm. you know when you're finding success it's never really something that you have to think about away from the rink either all of a sudden Montreal's not signing me, you know, things are, are kind of regressing that way. And I'm looking in the mirror and I'm wondering like, what did I, where did I go wrong? What's going on? Like right. what made me successful and how to get back to that? Mm -hmm. So that was the theme. And, uh, yeah, Slovakia was interesting. We made big strides there regardless of production in that. I think the, the theme and, and the focus on that was how do I get my systems in check? How can I, wake up every morning and make sure that I'm on the right track. Um, I think the, the term we were using is like household name, right? Um, yep. what actions do I need to accomplish every morning, afternoon, night to reload, to make sure that I'm, um, in the shoes of a hypothetical household name, yep. whether or not I actually am one. So mm -hmm. that went a long, long way for me to get that down. And, uh, it reflected in terms of the little things that were, um, you know, picked out in my game, teams weren't really liking, uh, scouts and that were, uh, pointing out that they want to see improvements on. And I found it really hard f to try to like flip those things around, um, kind of the work ethic, uh, that sort of thing. It was never about the skill really. It was about those type of habits. So yeah. I had a hard time like figuring out how I can consistently affect change in those areas of my game. I couldn't really find the right formula. And just fixing those habits and building them from off the ice and throughout kind of my everyday uh, helped a lot, I think. Yeah, I, I, 
honestly, that's why we, so what you were talking about for anyone that uh, picked up on that, it was the household name. And that's something, that's a tool that we use at Malatium with a lot of you guys is the success identity. And essentially what that is for anyone tuning in, that is the individual, if you can think about it, the future individual that you want to become. And you might not necessarily be there at that moment in time, but what we use it as is as a title for you to work towards. So if we can think about it as you have your potential up here for anyone that's watching, you have your potential up here or where you want to go. And you're currently here. Now, where you currently are here is not necessarily like you haven't done anything wrong. It's just where you currently are. And it's like, how do we close that gap? Right? So that success at any way you were talking about, we focus on it off the ice so you can start you know taking the actions on the ice and make it a little bit easier for you so we're kind of cutting out all the uncertainty and it's just more of well we know what the actions are and for you is put the puck in the back of the net yeah. right <laughs> yeah um and it, it really started i remember i started working with matt first and uh the first thing he was like man you got to get everything in check like <laughs> i'll always remember this it was hilarious because he sent me through this little contract to sign and it was a basically saying, you know, we agree to work together and I have to follow, you know, certain things right. um, to make sure I'm upholding, you know, certain standard to you guys and vice versa. So mm -hmm. um, I remember he sent it through and it took me a couple of days to get it back, even though I'd already verbally said like, yeah, I'd love to start working with you. <laughs> and he was just on me like, he's like, that's an example. There you go. Right away. That can't happen. He's like, you gotta, you gotta dial that in. If you're a professional, that's not happening. He's like, you gotta. We'll, we'll have you waking up at 7 a.m. every morning. I want you to text me how you're gonna dominate the day and the specific actions you're gonna take to do that. Go through, you know, all the steps of um, your morning routine. Is that's getting a sweat on. That's um, you know having your coffee, making sure you do something to kind of grow in terms of like your uh, your the mental side of things, diary, mm -hmm. journaling. So that foundation was important for me and it took a long time before I actually realized, um, or saw the results, I guess you could say, yeah. um, whether or not it was specifically from like those actions of that routine mm -hmm. or whether it was the accumulation of other things we worked on, but it has gone a long way and I just can notice now when I'm not following those routines, I feel a bit off and it's right. kind of like, it makes sense. It's all come together. Um, this past year found a lot of success and in my game and did it ever help off the ice as well. Mm. I thoroughly enjoyed just kind of my lifestyle away from the rink too, because I put in the work for so long that allowed me to kind of get to that spot in my game that I wanted right back to that identity that, you know, made me great in the first place. Mm -hmm. And it just like really released a weight off my shoulders to be able to enjoy off the ice too. Yeah. And I feel guilty for things and to, to know that my system's in place and, you know, I can deal with that stuff in the mornings and at night and then the rest of the day is set up for success. Yeah. Yeah. You had your shit in check. I think actually I remember that that was kind of like an aha moment this year, which was you need to be able to enjoy yourself away from training, away from hockey. Like even if it's with teammates, just to go out, do your own thing without having to worry about all the stuff that's on the ice. And for a lot of people, like uh, Matt and I have discussed this a few times. Like you see the Michael Jordans, the Kobe Bryants and all their documentaries. It doesn't show their downtime because it's not sexy to market. Yeah. It's always the hard work and they're not going 100% all the time. Mm -hmm. They need to be able to step back and and step away, 
right? So that was a big one for Alan. I'm sure it's a big one for anyone listening. You got to be able to take some time off, no? Even in the season, right? So there's one thing I wanted to ask you about, Alan, which was you were a highly touted prospect, drafted by Montreal. If you don't mind going into that experience, how it went down for you, because like you said, you're a highly talented player coming in. Um, Montreal didn't end up signing you, and they basically put you through the ringer a little bit. Yeah. So could you, if you feel comfortable, describing some of that? Yeah. Um, it's tough. I, I kind of think back to the totem pole thing that I was referring to, and you, it, it's not easy on, on athletes, especially growing up with success um in probably most sports i'd imagine you end up going from the bottom build your way up to the top takes years and years of work and then you end up getting to the top just to turn around and get to that next level where it brings you right back down to the bottom so i found a lot of success for minor hockey uh it paid off you know ended up finding success in the OHL through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I started from the bottom again in, in year one when I was 16 years old, um, you know, that set me up for success to be able to get drafted. And then, you know, you're in this huge machine of an organization like Montreal. And it's so start from scratch. It's back to square one. Right away, eh? You felt like it was just a new level. Yeah. Time to dial it in again. I, tr- I truly think that in terms of the NHL draft, if you're not top 10 pick, you have a lot of work cut out for you. And it just gets, you know, piles on even more the further down the list you go. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, and you look at it and it's really confusing because you kind of feel like you're all that after you get drafted. Right. And you get all this feedback from everyone and you're like, everyone's telling you you're the best, you're the best. And that's so great. But really you feel like, you know, well, I'm 18 years old. I'm going to camp. I see all these guys, and it's like, holy, what? Well, what am I going to do to like affect change and actually like stand out? Right. And these, you know, people in management, especially in an organization like Montreal, like I mentioned, a huge machine. Your name's on a list, and it's like, how are you getting that name highlighted compared to all these other names? And these guys have also found success their whole career. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge, like, unraveling thing that you have to navigate, and personally i considered myself as you know had my head on my shoulders for most of my hockey career and uh it was tough to be able to figure out how i'm going to improve enough in such a short amount of time before my two years are up for them to sign me to convince them to sign me basically um you're competing against guys that are in the same position as you Mm -hmm. i was one of like i was the seventh pick from montreal at 97th and there's six guys ahead of you already that they only have maybe one or two spots to, to, to sign any players in that draft mm-hmm. at any given time. I think in my case, Montreal is like pretty much already full, like full on their, right. on their contract list. So it, it's crazy. And you have other centers too. They were, uh, I got drafted as a center, like a, a natural centerman and they drafted four or five center that year. And, uh, it, it just it's definitely a lot you have to deal with and so identity crisis i keep coming back to because matt referred to it like that when we started working together he's like who are you like yeah what are you doing because then you're just playing for like oh i'm just trying to get a spot instead mm-hmm. of no hold on i have my stuff yeah. like they're not 
Because then it, you you even said it. How am I going to improve in this short amount of time? When it's like, no, they just want to see you yeah. kind of do your thing. But then you get trapped into that yeah. cycle of like, I got to I got to impress. I got to impress. I got to impress. I and then you get pulled away from your game, and it's like, yeah. there it goes. Right? That, that was the biggest problem for me is. I got pulled so far away from the things that made me successful. Sure, I had flaws in my game, 100% still do, mm-hmm. everyone does. But I was so distracted from feedback from people that were in positions of power in Montreal that um, very knowledgeable hockey people, yeah. I'm not discrediting any one of them. I think that they all had their points with what they want to see in my game um, to change. And trying to find the balance between still doing what made me great and got me drafted. And, and, you know, I always had success doing certain things, but to try to accommodate to everyone's needs and wants right, left no room for my needs and wants in terms of how I could grow my game. Mm-hmm. Um, and you always hear kind of that saying in terms of when you're working on your skill, never neglect the skills that are your best ones. Right. Um, if you're a good shooter, you want, you never want to fall behind in that. You want to make sure that you're still the best shooter. Keep shooting your thousand pucks, you know, a week or whatever you're, you're doing to make it great. And I got away from that. I was trying to figure out how can I be like a harder nosed player? How can I, um, not shy away from certain battle areas and, and keep the work ethic high consistently. And in the OHL, it's pretty high load and it, you're young and inexperienced so you're playing all these games and it's like how can i show up every single shift right and for someone that hasn't developed the consistency to do that mm-hmm. and haven't learned the tools and tricks of the trade like um how to make sure i'm getting that like fight for me i'm a quieter guy so i mm-hmm. had a harder time finding those like deep-rooted um kind of like triggers is what we refer to them the dark triggers or light triggers right to to like get that animal out of me Mm-hmm. every night we'd play three games in three days on the weekend and how do i bring that in like on the sunday <laughs> yeah. so that was the feedback i kept getting like where is that where is that so that was tricky for me to figure out because now i'm just it's all i'm thinking about and yeah. forget about all that stuff that makes me great and the thing is like that feedback is good mm-hmm. like you want to be able to get that feedback from whoever it is whether it be a scout coach team that you're trying to get to whatever it's important to get it i think the major part that brings the uncertainty and um that you need to get clear on is okay how can i continue to focus on my game and do my thing while just slowly implementing and focusing on one thing at a time to bring into my game because when you try to do everything at once it's overwhelming as as hell Mm -hmm. so it's like how do you just continue to do it and then focus on one thing implement it okay let's take a month really focus on it knock that out do they have the same feedback no perfect it's something different let's focus on something else and that's where i think when you were playing in sweden was where we really had to dial that in Mm -hmm. where it's like okay this is a completely different country completely different style of play how do we how do we bring out that score in you while playing a defensive game pretty much yeah right and that's tough because that took well, that took a while mm-hmm. to to navigate. And it's just getting clear and and really just taking actions on a daily basis. Like one thing, um, actually a podcast my brother and I shot just before you came in uh, was talking about mindset shifts. And you can make a change instantly, but you will not see the return or the effects of that until further on down the line. Mm-hmm. So 
again, you were, I think you touched on that just briefly where you're taking all this action, taking all this action. And it's like the effect comes when, and I think that was with the success identity you were talking about before. Right. So it's always interesting to hear your perspective on things, Alan. Um, before we go, I have a couple more questions for you. What are, what would be some advice that you would give to just someone young trying to make it big? Yeah, I think that the interesting thing about my situation is, and it's partially why we talked about doing this podcast together, was I took this really unorthodox route that I don't know of anyone who's done like done it before. Mm-hmm. I don't know if many people have really seen someone jump straight out of junior COVID accelerated. It kind of just changed everything, but uh, jump straight out of junior and go overseas. Uh, Slovakia gave me the foot in the door to to allow that. I think I got scouted a little bit mm-hmm. because of that overseas. And I know some teams like looking at certain leagues and it just so happened that uh, Sweden worked out that way. And I'm proud to to see the progress I've made. And I think that it's hard to measure the, the progress and the success because usually you look at it like, well, am I in the AHL right now? How close am I to, to getting that call up to, to the NHL? It's always going to be the NHL is the dream for, for hockey players, no matter what level you are, really. It's it's always something that we dream about. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about my situation is I always treat the NHL as the end goal still. Mm-hmm. It is just a different way of getting there, but it's hard to compare. And, and kind of the nice thing about this is I always had an issue before I started working with you guys and even at the beginning of trying to compare my success to others. And that's a pain in the ass. And it's and it's not <laughs> fun. And being, you know, I, I hit every Team Canada, like U18, or I guess Youth Olympics was the first. Right. Um, U17s, U18s, got hurt at the, the Holinka camp. Um, so missed it on that. And then got cut, um, went to the summer camp for the World Juniors, got cut, didn't, uh, didn't make that team. And it's hard not to look at these guys that are your age, obviously, and, and compare it so closely through the draft and everything and and wonder what you're doing that wrong that they're doing right or, you know, what, however you want to paint it. Um, it's so easy to compare the success of others that are in similar situations to you. Right. And um, it's just so relieving and refreshing to to remove that from kind of your professional life and away from the rink, like we mentioned. Right. When you're when you're getting consumed by that that side of things, it's just it's a bad um, like concoction. It's a bad cocktail because mm-hmm. you you end up just con- continuing to lose your identity. Like really, it, it all comes back to that. It's like you got to be so confident and sure in yourself, regardless of if you're really doing the right things at that time. Um, in my case, going over to Europe is that going to be the best route for me? Who knows? Mm-hmm. But you have to jump in both feet. You have to just really follow your your actions every day, day in and day, day out, just do your best. And uh, for me, it's paid off in the sense that I feel like I'm accomplishing something every year. I feel like I'm developing something every year and getting closer to the end goal. And regardless of if, you know, I end up getting that call up to the NHL, like mm-hmm. the measure of my success is about um, setting myself up for my future, providing for my family. Um, financial stability and list goes on. We've talked about that a million times is mm-hmm. uh, what's important to me. And um, I'm feeling like a sense of uh, accomplishment for sure. 
um, on this path I'm on. But uh, I'd say like in terms of advice, it's just really carve out your own path. Like everyone has a set of skills that will cater to to different needs. Different teams will need different types of players. And um, you can't really get bogged down trying to compare yourself to others. You just have to have that assurance in yourself and, and you want to bet on yourself always. You're always the most important horse in the race. So um, the biggest tip would be continue on your own path, put put your blinders on, make sure you know what the end goal is mm-hmm. and try to get as close to it as you can and just follow those actions every day to get there because it, it really is just a, a repetitious uh, cycle where you just got to kind of grow um, as an athlete and as a person. And um, that's the measure of success you should be aiming for. Love it. Love it. Couldn't have said it better myself. For all you young athletes listening right now, take Alan's advice. He's He's been, well, he's been halfway around the world with it. So <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. Um, I appreciate Alan, you coming in again, first guest in the (laughs) wonderful studio that we have here. Uh, it was fantastic for any of you looking to watch Alan's games this year. Actually, no, it's impossible to watch. (laughs) It's hard. Yeah. It's one of the worst streaming ones in the world. They charge you. Yeah. (laughs) It's pain in the ass. Yeah. So check out his stats, Asiago hockey. Um, he'll be playing. When do you guys start again? I'm I'm leaving on August fourth. I fly out, so I think our season's like September fifteenth. September fifteenth. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you guys want some Austrian hockey, Italian hockey, <laughs> you guys can watch there. Other than that, uh, share, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, as much as we love doing this for you guys, we always, of course, would love for you to share it around. And other than that, take care, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>